Welcome, my lords, to the Well-Earned Comforts Podcast. I'm Sam. And I'm Seth. Thank you for joining us on the Walls of Isengard as we explore the many works of Tolkien and, of course, discuss life. We're glad to have you as part of the Fellowship as there's no telling where we'll be swept off to. And as we teased last time, we're being swept off into Fangorn Forest today as we'll talk through the beloved character Treebeard. But before we do that, we're going to babble like butterbur like we always do, just for a couple minutes, check in with my brother Seth over in Michigan. You guys finally got some snow, man. It looked cool. That snowman was definitely a 4 out of 10, but I'm going to blame you more than your daughter for making that. Uh, I I don't know what to say. The science project said parents can't help. Um, the <laughs> volcano worked perfectly. She's a year and a half mm. old. She did everything appropriately. Um, <laughs> that's kind of what I was going for with the joke. Right, right. <laughs> Is yeah, like yeah. all the science projects where you know the the kids don't do anything. Sure. Um, <laughs> and it was also a way of making fun of my own snowmaking, uh, snowman making abilities. But right. Yeah, no, we finally got some snow, and what's actually crazy is we're about to get hit with another storm that yeah. supposedly is supposed to be pretty big. Um, Shut you down, huh? Well, we'll see. Supposedly, starting in about an hour, it's going to snow for the next like 36 hours, and they're wow. expecting like 9 to 14 inches of snow, which... Jeez. That's a lot, but I don't know. It's not terrible. I feel like the world is a lot softer than when we grew up. Oh, for people sure. say that for every generation, but it's like <laughs> school got canceled today and it hasn't even started snowing yet. It's like wow. no half day or anything for these kids. So Jeez. I don't know. I, I'm looking forward to it, though. Evelyn seemed to enjoy the snow a little bit. She kind of just stood there and watched me all wide eyed and her cheeks got all rosy. But <laughs> I'm really hoping that if we get some like I hope that this is more powdery snow because it's been a little colder. There's already snow on the ground. So I want to take her sledding in the next day or two if we can be so fun if we can make it happen dude i'm so jealous i am so jealous yesterday was like 50 degrees and sunny well that's cool i'm glad that you uh, get to spend that and kind of have those memories those first like real interactive snowfall memories with with evelyn and i can't wait to see the videos of you guys sledding when that happens make sure to make a little ramp for her. she can pop <laughs> off that you know <laughs> yeah we'll see <laughs> we'll <Yeah>. see <laughs> it'll no, be fun. that's really cool yeah yeah everybody doing okay though amanda's doing good y'all are oh, moving yeah. along all right yeah life is just moving along school's about to start up again and mm. honestly i i really don't i'm not excited for it i don't want to do it but just yeah. like you finishing your degree it's like it's what you do because you have to do it do. like i i i'm taking three classes i know one of them's like advanced pharmacology and then the other two are some research classes that I don't even know the name of, and they start in like a week. So oh, it's wow. like, I, that's about how much I care at the moment. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. Pharmacology, I don't even know what that is. Is that like pharmaceuticals? Yeah, it's it's different medications, basically. Gotcha. Like how they work, what you use them for, dosage, route, all that stuff. Hmm. Interesting. So, yeah. What about you guys? Well, How's How's the old Kentucky treating you other than giving you one nice day of sun? <laughs> right. Yeah. It's been good. Honestly, like we, uh, we had the in-laws for two weeks over Christmas break, which was good, but it was definitely like, all right, we, we needed the house back to ourselves. And, but they did give yeah. us a night away for our anniversary. We left them with, uh, with the child overnight. Yep. First time we did oh, that. Oh, that was overnight. Was like, okay. Yes. Yeah. Big deal. Big deal. Uh, yeah, we left no them kidding. with a bunch of like frozen milk and we just went off and went to Cincinnati Got a hotel that had a hot tub, hung out, 
you know, watch nice. some Nate Bargatze comedy and then next morning went to like a really nice coffee shop up there, Block Coffee Company, and then drove home. But we got home and, and her parents were like zombies. <laughs> yeah, like we forgot how hard this is. It was it was pretty funny. I mean, I was very thankful, but they were both just like, mm, yeah, uh, that was that was something. <laughs> They were probably ready to get back to their own house also. Yeah, yeah, no kidding. But that that was really, really cool. Um, just to be able to have that that night away and you know, just it's we still really love each other and it's fun getting to just be us. I mean, of course there was that like angst, oh, is he okay? Is he doing all right? You know, but yep. uh it was overall very, very manageable and a lot of fun doing that. But um yeah, beyond that, I mean, just kind of cruising along ariel started babysitting another kid from uh one of the people in our in our not our neighborhood but like our our little town so she's doing that uh three days a week which is good just generate a little bit of extra income and then also give baron somebody to hang out with and interact with so he's learning how to share already which is really good i think um but he's not super enthused with the person yet he just kind of like stares at her like what are you yeah why why are you my size (laughs) but (laughs) Yeah, it's it's fun. Um, I will say, and I mean, this is just I'm gonna put that out there. But I did a 5K completely barefoot last uh, last Tuesday. I think I saw something it was, about that. You said you tried to run in the grass as much as you could. Yeah, okay. it was great. Like I've been wearing barefoot shoes, zero shoes, so it's like zero drop. There's no cushion. Yeah, it's just pretty much like a sole on your foot. And so it wasn't that much of a difference. I have a big old blister on my right foot because of it. But yeah, I loved it. Like, have you ever done that? Like ran more than like just a little bit outside barefoot? Uh, Not like trying to run for time or anything. I've done a few years back. I was kind of in the barefoot stage per, of, you know, my I think I actually might have been the summer of COVID now that I'm thinking about it, because all, all Amanda and I did was go out and walk. Uh, mm. And I would walk barefoot and, uh, you know, run a little bit, but not much. But sure. people would just look at you like, what are you, <laughs> aren't you wearing shoes? <laughs> yeah. But I don't know your feet, uh, at least my feet, maybe it's different since you were wearing the zero shoes. But like my feet were actually really sore even after just walking mm-hmm. like three or four miles. And I think it's yeah. just because there's certain, like, you know, the smaller intrinsic muscles of the feet that don't really get worked out when you've got the shoes and the heel and all that stuff. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like it was, again, like I said, a pretty easy transition. I stayed in the grass as much as I could and it was raining. So like it was pretty soggy too. Nice soft landing, but it was also cold. Like it was probably like 25 degrees, something like that. And well, no, it can be be over 30 degrees. I was going to say, yeah, yeah, it was probably like 35 degrees or something like that. I don't know. But the, yeah, the asphalt was painful and I think that's where I got my blister from. But other than that, like I, I got through my three miles and I was like, not even as tired as I normally would be. And I got a, a pretty decent time. Like it wasn't anything amazing. Yeah, it looked like you ran in eight, on, maybe was it an eight minute ish mile average? Eight, eight, eight forty five. Yeah. So I mean, again, it's like in the not, eights being barefoot. Yeah. And I wasn't even like trying to go for time. I was just like trying to pay attention, not to step on anything. I shouldn't step on. <laughs> You're um, just like looking for all the broken glass in the room. Right. Exactly. Exactly. But a very tribal, like primal experience, you know. I feel like sure. Tolkast would be—he'd be like, "Yeah, let's do it. Let's go run barefoot." 
you know he's wearing you know he's wearing the sandals that you see hercules strapping on (laughs) in the animated disney (laughs) yep (laughs) the air hercs (laughs) yeah (laughs) yeah exactly that's cool though that's that's a i mean that's a pretty good accomplishment to run the whole thing barefoot especially you know averaging you know in the eights like that's pretty solid yeah it was it was a fun time it's something you've never done before you know yeah yeah, and then you also PR'd your deadlift too. You said, "Did you yeah. miscount? Did you say you miscounted?" I'm trying to think. It was one of those things. I wish I, I asked one of my high schoolers to take a video for me, and he just did like straight on, so you can't see the side weights. Mm-hmm. But I think I miscounted because I remember taking off because I had the five plates, and then I had, I think a ten five and two point five, which would be five thirty, right? I think so. Four ninety five plus twenty. So 450 or 515, 525, 530. Yeah, that'd be 530. But I don't remember. Like it, I was thinking it was 520 in my head. And so that's what I counted it as. as I, I'm still thinking, yeah, it, it's 520, but but it was hey, pretty easy. Like, like I could have had more in, yeah. 530 if yeah, that was the case. For sure. Yeah. So, yeah, no, that, that was a good. great lift. You, yeah, I might, my, my deadlift was feeling pretty good. Yeah, you've definitely surpassed me i think when it comes to deadlift i mean i think my pr was 535 or 530 somewhere right around that same range so and i think you moved it a little bit easier than i did when i pr'd it so (laughs) that's that's cool to see i'll still keep you on bench press but that might be the only one i can hold you off on (laughs) oh yeah yeah i'm getting better though i did 275 for three for three sets this morning so you know nice it felt good but not yeah not to what you hit like 285 for six or something like that? I uh, recently I did 295 for five. Okay. Yeah. So not bad. It's very impressive. Not, not bad at all. Not bad at all. <laughs> well, we'll stop humble bragging here about our weightlifting. Oh, it's, we'll not humble. Into... it's not humble. It's not humble. Oh, yeah. For sure. Yeah. Just uh, like riddles <laughs> in the dark. It's not humble. Hey, there it is. Hey, I've, I've got actually, I've been, I've been rereading the, uh, the books. And so I've got some things I think I might try to stump you with here so um okay. i'll go ahead and start I'll, I'll start with riddles in the dark here um we'll see if you can get this all right um let's see insert jeopardy music <laughs> it's gonna be thick said he but i'll uh, see well that's yeah this one's too easy uh, uh, whatever it's fine it's fine <laughs> i better get it's it thick. Now. <laughs> it's gonna be thick he said but I'll not light my lantern till I turn for home. We'll hear anything on the road long uh, before we meet tonight. Yeah, yeah. That's uh, is that Farmer Maggot? I I know that that's when they're trying to meet up with. Um, I think it's Farmer Maggot talking to his wife. Maybe, maybe not. Or I, am I way off? No, Isn't you're that right when on. <laughs> okay, I was gonna say I think that's Farmer Maggot talking to his wife when they're meeting up with Mary, or when Mary yep. meets him and they think yep. he's a black rider. Nope, that is. Okay. Yep, that is perfect. What? Uh, obviously, you know which book that is, right? Yeah, I have no idea the chapters. <laughs> Shortcut. The to road what? to Bury. I don't know. <laughs> the road to Crickalo. <laughs> Shortcut to what? Oh, uh, shortcut to mushrooms. There it is. Very good. All well right, done. All right. Cheers. Okay. Good job. Thank you, sir. All right. This one should be pretty straightforward as well. Um, Dear God, I hope so. <laughs> so you better get it. <laughs> I've been so bad lately. 
Not a beggar, said blank. Say a captain of the rangers, who are unused to cities and houses of stone. What was the second part? A captain of the ranger? Not a beggar, said blank. Say a captain mm-hmm. of the rangers, who are unused to cities and houses of stone. Is this Samwise talking to Faramir in uh, the Two Towers? No. Hmm. Do you want a little context before or after? Before. Okay. Uh, I won't give you this guy's name or else it'll completely blow it. Uh, Yet I would not have you remain like a beggar at the door. Not a beggar, said Blank. Say a captain of the rangers who are unused to cities and houses of stone. Huh. Pretty good one, but you're going to slap yourself if you don't get it. It sounds like somebody's maybe talking to Strider. Uh, but I don't think he ever refers himself as a captain of the Rangers. But you have um, already raised the banner of the Kings and displayed the tokens of Alindel's house. Would you suffer these to be challenged? What the heck, man? <laughs> no, but I dime, uh, No, but I deem the time unripe. I have no mind for strife except with the enemy and his servants. Your words are wise, Lord, if one who is a kinsman to the Lord Denethor may counsel you in this matter. He is strong-willed and proud, but old, and his mood has been strange since his son was stricken down. Yet I would not have you remain like a beggar at the door. Seriously? <laughs> um... <laughs> So is they talking to Gandalf then? Um, is Gandalf a captain of the Rangers? No, no, but the beggar at the door. What, I, I don't. I'm not gonna I, lie. This might be. This is this is bad. <laughs> this is real bad. This is really bad. This is very very bad. I'm gonna <laughs> say. Yeah, All right, hold on. Let me give you a little bit more. This is after. Oh my gosh. <laughs> and he commanded that his banner should be unfurled, and he did. And he did off the, that's a weird way of phrasing. And he did off the star of the Northern Kingdom and gave it to the keeping of the sons of Elrond. Okay. So is it, I guess it's, it's, you don't know. <laughs> what's the guy's name? The, uh, uh, not Forlong the Fat, the other guy. No, that's the guy who was talking before, but he's talking to this person, and this person says, not a beggar, blank, said blank. They rather a captain of the rangers who is unused to cities and houses of stone. So that's Aragorn, right? That's still Aragorn he's talking to. Yeah. Correct. Okay, you made it seem like it wasn't Aragorn. Okay, all right. No, I never said that. Well, you made it seem like it. No, 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 no. You're not. You <laughs> okay. don't get to backtrack on this one. Well, then it's it's obviously like Return of the King. It's when they are, uh, I assume, heading. Is it the the Great Company? Um, or not the Great Company? The uh, I don't know which. What's the context? Uh, they're headed to. Well, now I'm confused because I was thinking it was the spot where they're heading to fight Sauron at the Walls of Baradur, but you said, like, you you mentioned that Denethor is still around, and he's grumpy about his son's death, and so that would have to be beforehand, and I'm trying to remember when uh, the sons of Elrond would have done something with Aragorn at that point. What is it at Rivendell when they leave? No. No, it's, it's Return of the King. Okay. 
It's the Houses of Healing when Aragorn is going into the city, but he doesn't declare himself the king. He says, "Oh yeah, I'm not a beggar. Tell them I'm just a captain of the rangers and I'm unused gotcha. to you know cities and houses of stone. Like I don't want to be okay. announced coming into the city, but I am coming in to heal Faramir Jeez. and heal Merry and Eowyn and yep, yep, yep. anybody I else. I, I thought that one was pretty straightforward. Well, you know, I, I'm full of surprises. <laughs> Surprisingly bad. Uh, <laughs> yeah. No, all right. I will be better next time when we do, when we do, if we're doing this tomorrow with your friend, I, I'll be on it. I'll be on it. All right. Don't worry about it. I got all, right. It. all right. Oh boy. Seth wins again. Shocker. No humble. Nothing new there. To him at all there. That's right. <laughs> um, uh, we are going to jump into some tidings of the fellowship. Now we don't have a whole lot here um, as far as like nothing in the email. Um, no new reviews yet for some reason. Come on guys. What's going on there? Let's, uh, we let's bump this up. We bagged. We did. We asked for a Christmas present and you guys couldn't even come through. Jeez. Not even on Christmas. Not even on Christmas though. We do have a fair amount of like Spotify reviews, but I don't not like reviews with words. If that makes sense. I know there are like we have like a 4.7 rating on Spotify. Okay. I mean, hey, there's been take a, it. Yeah. There's been a, a decent amount of people that have. Sweet. Um, well, thank you to everybody that has done that. We really do appreciate it. We really yeah, do. Yeah. Neither, oh, uh, no, it's not. Never mind. That's not new. Just neither kidding. of us really expected this podcast to take off. So it's not no. like a shock that it doesn't. So it's more of a joke <laughs> when we beg for reviews yeah. or comments or whatever. Um, this is more just us chilling and having fun. So yeah, <laughs> we really don't care that much, but to the people that do, you know, participate in that way, we really do appreciate it. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, and to those, uh, speaking of, um, uh, we'll just want to say what up to my, my man, Scott Marion out there in Colorado, the, the running legend. When we were out there for Thanksgiving, we got to run together and it was fun. It was, there was like ice and snow on the ground and, yeah, it was slow going, but we had a good time. He showed me some of his routes and just had a good conversation. And I wasn't sure how long we were going to run. And it was like over three miles. So it wasn't, wasn't too bad, but I just was following his lead. But thank you, Scott, for that fun, fun opportunity. And thanks for being such a, a faithful follower of our, our fellowship here and being uh, one of our most engaged listeners. So cheers to you, brother. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Uh, and I will say he must have been taking it easy on you because. <laughs> Anytime I look at his, uh, what's that app? The running app is it? It's Strava, Strava. right? Yeah, yeah. It, it's like every day, eleven miles, twelve miles, thirteen yeah. miles, eleven miles. It's like, geez, bud, he's he's putting in yeah. the work. So props to him. He, he I'm, is. I'm glad you guys got to run. Was that when you were out there for Thanksgiving? Yeah, yeah. It was like, yeah. I don't know. It wasn't the day after Thanksgiving, thankfully. Otherwise, I would not have been able to run. But. <laughs> Um, it was it was still like you know one of those nights that I had plenty of food and and stuff, but it was it was a good time. He took it That's easy awesome. on me for sure. <laughs> but we do have a comment um, on our a couple of YouTube uh, channel videos. So Seth, you wanna you wanna go? Yeah, through that? this is this is from Joe Brown on YouTube, and he says, "Thank you, Sam and Seth. I've been listening to Lord of the Rings uh, yet again since I've listened and studied the Silmarillion." That's amazing. That gives you a Heck lot yeah. more context to the Lord of the Rings. Yeah. Uh, he said just like people who read the Lord of the Rings book get more out of it uh, than people who have only seen the movies. I'm getting so much more out of Lord of the Rings since reading the Silmarillion. 
Uh, I love it when I hear something and think, oh, cool, I understand where that comes from or where it's related to. And I think, I mean, that's that's it. I, I, I say this all the time. Tolkien's a gift that keeps on giving. There's mm-hmm. there's layers to it. As Shrek would put it, he's like an onion. You know, <laughs> you just pull back layer by layer and you learn more every time. So it's Heck pretty yeah. cool. So thanks for the comment, Joe. We we appreciate it. Hopefully, you know, we can provide some insights uh, to your journey on understanding Tolkien as well. Yeah, man. Thank you for, for commenting and thank you as well. You know, you said thank you to us. Thank you as well for yeah for listening sure. and watching and and sharing your your thoughts too, man. Keep them coming. Keep them coming. Be great. Well, like I said, we're gonna jump into the as you see on my shirt, the meat and potatoes. Uh, you're gonna for the YouTube. Podcast. You're gonna have to lift that up a lot more. Do it again. Do you do want me to take my shirt off for YouTube? Is that what you're saying? No, I don't think you can get it off. <laughs> um, it's a little too tight. <laughs> yeah, it's a little tight. Uh, here we go. Here no, right. just you got to get it. Pull it up so we can actually see it over here. There you go. A little higher. A little higher. There it is. Boil them, mash them, stick them in a stew. There it is. That's, that's, that's precious. Oh, uh, yes. As a Christmas gift for my wife, uh, she's the best. She is that's also incredible. I'm trying to get her to paint a map of Middle Earth to put back here. I think that'd be sweet. Yo, she's like, that'd uh, be awesome. That's what I'm saying. Seth thinks it'd that's be a awesome. Lot of, that's a lot of work, though, with how detailed would these be. maps are. It would be. Yeah. <laughs> Into the meat and potatoes of today's podcast. Like <laughs> I said, we're talking about <laughs> yeah, good transition. We're talking about Treebeard. We're talking about some of the interactions he had with Marion Pippin and just the hidden lore drops. We're doing this kind of, I guess, mini series of hidden lore that we find throughout the trilogy. And last week or last week, last time, we talked about Galadriel's mirror and how there's a lot of lore drops there. And uh, Seth has found some really cool lore drops in the conversation that Treebeard has as one of the oldest creatures alive and so uh i'll just read this right off the bat um it's a little description of who treebeard was um now disclaimer this is david day um so he's this isn't straight from the mouth of tolkien but it's kind of like yeah this is what people assume treebeard was kind of named after as tolkien was uh interacting with his friend c.s lewis but um this is what he says about treebeard specifically um, Tolkien acknowledged in an interview that the eccentric characterization of Treebeard was specifically meant as a good-humored lampooning of his friend and colleague, C.S. Lewis. The author of the Chronicles of Narnia, complete with his booming voice and his absurd interjections and <laughs> reputation as an utter know-it-all, who irritatingly usually did know-it-all. <laughs> so that's, this is the guy we are diving into. Yeah, that's a fantastic description. I love it. Yeah, I've actually also, I'm uh, listening. I was just going to say I'm listening to a book about the Inklings and it's going over the life of C.S. Lewis right now. And um, it's interesting. I think that basically what you just read is it, it describes him well. Yes, definitely. I mean, he thought he was a know-it-all when he was an atheist. Turns out he didn't. And then once he turned to Christianity, he thought he knew it all about that as well. But <laughs> this is also a, a Christmas present from uh, my wife as well. A little nice. It's such a cool, like, looking book and great leather. It is, awesome. yeah. But I was gonna say yeah, so, on that note that you said about C.S. Lewis is just a quick aside. But in the book I'm listening to, apparently he was talking to one of his friends after World War One, and his friend asked him, like, "Well, weren't you ever scared in the trenches?" And he basically said something to the effect of, "Yeah, but I never stooped so low as to pray." And then mm. you look at the turn that his life took. It's kind of, yeah. it's kind of remarkable. Absolutely, you know that is wow. That's pretty crazy. 
Well, yeah, let's uh, let's jump into a little bit of quick origins of the Ents. Seth, you want to tell us how did these beings come to pass? Yeah, uh, and I could go on and on and on about this, but we're <laughs> going to keep it short because we really care more about Treebeard uh, and his interaction with Mary and Pippin during this episode. But just a quick understanding of what the Ents even are. Uh, they were created by Eru at the behest of Yavanna, who is Aule's wife. Aule's the smith. He's the one that actually created the dwarves uh, kind of behind uh, Eru's back. And then by the grace of Aule, or I'm sorry, the grace of Eru, Aule's beings, the dwarves, got to live. Um, and this actually kind of worried Yavanna because she cared about nature and things that grow. And so she was like, well, who's going to protect my trees from, from Morgoth? Uh, you know, mm -hmm. and the orcs and also from the dwarves from chopping them down and, and men sure. and all this stuff. But it's interesting. She's worried about her husband's creations affecting her creations. Mm -hmm. um, <laughs> and so she pleaded with Eru to, you know, send spirits into these trees. And I don't know if they were like Maiar um, of lower ranking or something like that. But regardless, they... Uh, they were sent down to help protect the trees and shepherd the trees uh, against the dwarves and the orcs and other perils. Um, and they were also created right around the same time uh, that elves came to awaken at Kuevienen. Yes, that's right. Sheep herders. Or tree herders, I guess. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so we decided we were going to jump into the chapter called Treebeard um, in the two towers of the book. And so I'm just going to give a little bit of a summary of the chapter so you guys know kind of what's going on and what's the context surrounding this. Then we're really going to dive down into some of the dialogue and again, like I said, some of that lore too. So as we good, as we know, uh, Pippin and Mary, they stumble into the Fangorn Forest as after they escape the orcs and they uh, come to a rocky hill where they are startled to meet. Treebeard, or aka Fangorn, an int that they had overlooked as a, as it quotes, old stump of a tree. An old stump of a tree. So, uh, again, you look at like the, the scale of things in Peter Jackson's world, it seems huge. And I guess to the hobbits, he still would have been a lot bigger. But he was only, what, like 14 feet, 15 feet? Yeah. It wasn't like he was I like a 25-foot tree. Yeah, yeah. So, an old stump makes sense that it's not like some big redwood or anything, just an old stump sure. of a tree. Um, but after, you know, they have some conversing with Treebeard and they establish they're not orcs. They know Gandalf. And uh, so Treebeard takes him back to the house where the hobbits tell him kind of the whole story up to this date, how they got there. But they left out the ring. Um, surprisingly, that Pippin didn't slip up and say something about that. But, you know, they figured probably shouldn't mention that. You know, that's a secretive thing. So, you know, Treebeard decides he's got to do something about Sauron and uh, because these orcs have been destroying his forest. And again, like you just mentioned, he's supposed to protect the forest. And so he's thinking, I got to do something about this. And uh, but yeah, after after telling him how the Ents lost the Entwives, they all fall asleep and Treebeard sleeps standing up. Interestingly enough, he was slaying down during the conversation so that the Ent drop didn't get to his head, which I want to have a conversation yeah. about Ent drop later. Uh, but then he sleeps uh, standing up. But then the next day, he takes him to the Entmoot, where for three days, three days, the Ents decide what they should do. And during this time, the Hobbits spend most of their time with a young, hasty Ent, Quickbeam, who's one of my favorite characters, or Bregoland, as his, uh, I guess, actual name is. But at the end of the chapter, the Ents decide to go to war on Isengard, and, and apparently are uh, accompanied by groves of moving trees, and the chapter ends with them looking down on Isengard. So, it's kind of the, the overview. Yeah, I was going to say, I love, uh, I don't even think we have it in the dialogue, but I love when 
Mary and Pippin explain the story and Treebeard does his whole like, ho, hum, hmm. And he like thinks to himself and then he says like, you haven't told everything by a long shot and you didn't say more than you should, but maybe not like the way he phrases, I forget exactly yeah. how it is, but it's, it's really well said. He's basically like, wow, these hobbits actually, they spoke very wisely and they mm -hmm. gave good information, but not too much information. Yeah. Yeah. He, he says something to that effect. Yeah. Of like, there's some things you left out, but you probably should <laughs> kind of like, yeah, I mean, it's yeah. probably a good thing you left that out, but definitely knowing like, yeah, I know you're, you're not telling me stuff. Um, so we're going to jump in. I, I just, some of this dialogue that I just really enjoyed um, as Mary and Pippin are talking to Treebeard and talking about kind of their origins a little bit. Um, they're, they're getting to know Treebeard and he asks them who calls them hobbits. So Treebeard doesn't know about hobbits. I assume at this point, obviously, cause he thought maybe they're little orcs um, because he says it doesn't sound elvish. And he goes on to say that the elves made all the old words. They began it. And so it's interesting that like, he's like thinking through all the elvish words and hobbits does not sound like a Cinderin or Quenya phrasing you know so he's mm -hmm. like who calls you that and in natural pippin fashion he tells him well nobody calls us that we call ourselves that and i love this like response from treebeard he's surprised by this and he calls them hasty folk he's like you're hasty folk for calling yourselves that like how do you have the confidence but he's honored by their confidence to have their their name be like that chosen by them and not by the elves um I was wondering as I was kind of preparing for this, do you know, do the elves have a name for the hobbits? Do they, other than like halflings, is there any, any say no, of I, origins? Of I that? don't, I don't think so. I mean, just to go back to Tolkien writing this, I, the Hobbit and the Lord of the Rings was written after the Silmarillion um, had really taken form in his head. And so they're not really mentioned, but they're just supposed to be kind of like an offshoot, if you will, of the race of men. So, yeah. I think hobbits are just what they call themselves, just like <laughs> the men would call themselves like Brelanders or sure, Gond sure. Gondorians or Numenorians or whatever. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. I just think it's interesting how, you know, Treebeard's like, you're hasty for calling yourselves, like having a name for yourself and not letting the elves name you kind of thing. Well, I think, I think that, and I could be wrong, but isn't that more in reference to the fact that they give them their names right off the back like that like i'm peregrine took and i'm mariotic brandy book um, yeah isn't that more yeah. what he's referencing that they're willing to give up their own names so yeah. easily yeah. it's it's in like the same lines of that yeah. okay it's the, the same conversation um but yeah on that point the hobbits do tell treebeard their names and uh, and so they yeah mariotic brandy book peregrine took and they kind of ask his name and he he said he won't tell him his at least not his right name this is what he says I'm not going to tell you my name, not yet at any rate. For one thing, it would take a long while. My name is growing all the time. I've lived a very, very long time. So my name is like a story, which I love. Like it's, it's not just like a one, like you, I mean, we just named Baron Baron, right? That's his name. And yeah. it's going to be his name forever. But I love the idea of a name being a story because Baron, mm. like Baron the Brave, that's what I hope for him. You know, and I hope that his namesake becomes more of a story and that you can kind of look back and be all the times like, where Baron had to be brave when like he had to face adversity and he came through the other side and he had confidence and he had you know, courage and all this kind of stuff. But the idea of like it just kind of morphing and changing and I don't know, I, I really like that. Yeah. I, I kind of added a note in here. It remind and I, I wonder if Christopher Paulini, the author of the inheritance cycle kind of got this idea from Lord of the Rings, maybe not, but in his series, got a lot from Lord of the Rings. <laughs> yeah. And star Wars. And yeah. I mean, 
but he it's a very good series on its own right sure, i love it sure. but he has a concept of the true name in his books where mm-hmm. if if somebody like people don't even know their true name until they do like a lot of inner work and inner dialogue to figure out who they truly are all their flaws all their you know things that make them who they are and if somebody has the true name of an individual they have complete control over them and so yeah. that just is what this scene makes me think of where Treebeard's like he's a little apprehensive to give the hobbits Mm -hmm. his true name because names have power and in Christopher Paulini's inheritance cycle it literally has power and it's spelled out how it has power whereas in Lord of the Rings uh, Treebeard's just kind of like yeah it has power I'm not going to share that with you just yet right right yeah no that's a good point Um, he does however give them a part of his name um, but he doesn't know how to translate into the common tongue. So I'm going to say part of the name. And then Seth, I want to, I want you to translate this into the common tongue as our Tolkien scholar. <laughs> no, he said, this is, know. this is part of his, this is part of his name. La 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 rumba commanda linda robome. What's the common tongue translation for that? Tree beard. Tree beard. Fine. <laughs> Fine. <laughs> I don't know. It's <laughs> true. Really come up with like a like a phrase of things like tree tree herder shepherd of the forest guy who has i mean that that's probably part of it right like because <laughs> yeah, his name yeah. is a story it's probably like sure. oldest and shepherd like those are probably all yeah. components of it if you were actually to know what the heck it means <laughs> <laughs> right right so then they set off for Treebird's house which i love that a tree has a house like how do you yeah. have a house what is it made out of is it made out of wood because if so that's pretty messed up man <laughs> anyway he's got a house he goes to the house and they have a really good dialogue this is where the hobbits tell them the majority of their story and they talk about that but before they set off for the house i just again i love this quote it really speaks to i think tolkien's kind of character speaking and, and living through his characters but they were talking about the hill that they met on right this this rocky hill mm-hmm. that they met on their question and, he was questioning like what's it called is it and then the hobbits yeah. are like a shelf a cliff and they're giving them all these different names mm-hmm and then he's like, oh, hill. Yes, that was it. But it is too hasty a word for a thing that has stood here since ever since this part of the world was shaped. Never mind. Let us leave it and go. <laughs> and smell the air. I used to spend a week just breathing. <laughs> That's pretty incredible. I mean, when you, when you break just that sentence down, a hill, yes, but that is too hasty a word for something that has stood here ever yeah. since the world was shaped. I mean, yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, really, there. the history of mm-hmm. that hill, it's been there. Since the beginning, and we're going to give it, you know, four letters to quantify its entire being. But at the same time, it is just a hill. It's, you know, whatever. But, you know, Treebeard is seeing things through a completely different lens. And I think, like you mentioned, that's probably a lens that Tolkien saw a lot of a lot of nature through as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I mean, that hill would have had a a story of its own as well, you know. And and if we're going with the theme of story has name like that hill could have had. (laughs) a plethora of of names um i don't know this is kind of maybe a, a fun exercise i might do of like writing my name as it as as, as my story has come out like like recreating mm. a name for me as a story as treebeard's talking about based off of my how, life up to this point how would you do that would you use phrases would you use singular words i don't know i'm thinking about it like i'd probably do a combination of both um mm. descriptions phrases uh adjectives I don't know. I mean, just to put this in perspective, think about how long that name would be for you after 
I'm sorry, how old are you? 25 now? Ouch. 26. 24? Yeah. 26. 26. <laughs> okay. I know you were born in 97, all right? <laughs> yeah. Gosh. Give I just want to do the math. 26. Respect. All right. Yeah, yeah. No, 27. I'm just 26. messing with you. I know. <laughs> the first couple times I asked, I wasn't positive, but I, yeah. I okay. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. Sure. <laughs> What I'm saying, though, is think about how long that name would be after 26 years. Yeah. Now think about how long that name is for Treebeard. Yeah. What, 3,000 years? Well, yeah, 2,000 years. Way more than that. Way more than that. Well, uh, it depends, because he was put on the Earth with when it was being formed, right? And I guess first age, second age, third age. Depends on when... He plops into Middle Earth, but yeah, we can debate that later. I don't know. <laughs> but yeah, you're right. You're absolutely right. It's a very, 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 very long name. Yeah. So anyways, as the, uh, as the <laughs> hobbits are <laughs> being taken uh, to Treebeard's house made of wood, made of stone, hole in the ground, who knows, but it's a house, yeah. supposedly. Sure. Maybe it's like, maybe it's like a, a stack sacrificial thing for his friends that have died they turn him into a house so that you know like if somebody dies and you cremate them and plant a tree with their their remains mm. like maybe i don't know i wouldn't be maybe making not. a house out of bones to like live in that seems pretty but morbid he doesn't have bones right i don't know well, but to them it would be their bones right like that would yeah yeah mm. i don't know regardless mm. you just you <laughs> totally threw a, a mind twist in there for me <laughs> Now I'm going to be thinking about that a lot. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) Anyways, on the way there, Treebeard just kind of starts chanting to himself. And if you're not familiar with the Silmarillion and the history that Tolkien has created in the Legendarium, you're just like, what in the world is he even talking about? So I'm going to kind of actually, do you want to read this? You've got a good Treebeard voice. If you want to read it, then I'll break down what he says. Um, I'll give you the honors because you actually... I like your your Treebeard voice. It's pretty solid. Wow, I'm so flattered. That wow, that makes me feel great. I love it. I have been read it. Oh, okay. <laughs> wow. I was gonna say I have been reading aloud to Ariel um, and doing different voices. I can't get Pippin's voice right because I want to do like a Billy Boyd kind of Scottish, but yeah, it's just that's a hard one. Come out right. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, that's okay. <clears throat> sure. So this is this is uh, Treebeard. He's yeah, just kind of chanting. He's yeah. just chanting to himself. Yeah. Yep. In the willow meads of Tassirinan, I walked in the spring. Ah, the sight and the smell of the spring in Nantazarion. And I said that that was good. I wandered in summer in the elm woods of Assyrland. Ah, the light music in the summer by the seven rivers of Assyr. And I thought that best. To the beaches of Neldoreth I come in the autumn. Ah, golden red in the sighing of leaves in the autumn. Tana Neldor. It was more than my desire. To the pine trees upon the highland of Dorthonian I climbed in the winter. Ah, the wind in the whiteness and the black branches of winter upon Aradnanthan. <laughs> My voice went up and sang in the sky, and now all those lands lie under the wave, and I walked in Ambarona, in Terramorna, in Aldalame, in my own land, in the country of Fangorn. 
where the roots are long and the years lie thicker than leaves in Teramolame. Yeah? Oh, good. I mean, Golf that was actually very, very... No, I just don't want to clap too loud. I don't... I think Evelyn's awake now, but she was sleeping. <laughs> oh, sure. So just, just on the offhand, I don't want to make too much noise, but right, right. that was impressive. I, oh, I'm going to give that to you. That was... You even, like, slowed down your... Like, you started off quicker, and then you're like, wait a minute, I'm Treebeard. Yeah, you, you slowed down hmm. your pacing, and you got the pacing, <laughs> and the hmm. That's right. That was... Yeah. I'm going to give you an A-plus on that. That was fantastic. Oh, wow. Man, thank you. Thank you so much. So, now, if all our listeners could give us an A-plus by giving us a five-star <laughs> review, that'd be great. <laughs> Just that would be Go fantastic. Ahead. Just for that alone, uh, he right. deserves yeah. it. <laughs> but in all honesty... Uh, that was that was really good. I I actually thoroughly enjoyed it. So thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Um. So kind of just to break things down, like I said, if you don't know much, you're probably like, what in the world is he even talking about? Right. Um. But he's actually giving locations of Beleriand in the first stage. So and he's going through, and I noticed this. He's going through by seasons. He starts in the spring, yep. summer, autumn, winter, right? And so he's describing. Mm -hmm these different types of trees and these different locations in Beleriand during presumably the first age when maybe even before the technical first age when um, Beleriand was not under the wave. Uh, so we'll just kind of go through these one by one, but he says the willow meads of Tar Sirinan in the spring. And so these are just north of the mouths of Sirion where the rivers Sirion and Narog meet. So if you're looking at a mm -hmm. map of Beleriand, it's kind of in the south part of the map on the coast. If you go just north of the, uh, of the mouth of Sirion, uh, Narog is the river that runs past Nargothrond and Sirion's like the main big one that comes down from, from the mountains of like yeah, the, uh, yeah. yeah, of the arid loom or Yeah. The Arid Wethrin, that's the name I was trying to say, comes down from there and runs like all the way through. It's kind of like the Anduin of, uh, mm -hmm. of Beleriand as opposed to Middle-earth. Yeah. Um, a fun fact about this little area is Tuor and Erindil actually rested there on their way to Arvanian after the fall of Gondolin. Um, hmm. So just a fun little that's snippet there. Yeah. So apparently in the spring, that was a very beautiful place to be looking at the willow meads, which I tried to look up what a willow mead looked like. And I just saw like yeah. willow mead Christmas tree company. Like that's all I could get. <laughs> um, so I assume they're pretty. Anyways, yeah. uh, in the summer, he liked to go to the elm woods of Assyriand. And Assyriand is actually a really cool area that isn't really talked about too much. Uh, but it's southeast Beleriand uh, near the mountains of the Arid Lewin, which are the mountains mm -hmm. that are uh, in Middle Earth, basically. It's kind of the, yeah. the dividing line between Beleriand and Middle yeah. Earth. And there's seven different rivers that run horizontally and one river that runs north and south. And uh, what's really cool is this is actually where the men first came from Middle Earth into Beleriand. And this is where Felagund met with Beor, the house of Beor. He met Beor the Old. He met them there. Mm -hmm. uh, and if you know the story at all, he he watched them for a while and was like, these guys are interesting, but they're not elves, but they're kind of like us. Yep. And he like walked over while they were all sleeping and started playing on a harp and they all fell in love with him. And he actually brought Bayor the old back to Nargothrond with him. So that's yeah. going a little bit too deep, but there's a lot of history <laughs> in this area. Yeah. Um, and it's actually where Baron and Luthien settled mm -hmm. down after returning from the dead. Uh, there's this little place called tall gallon or galleon. I can't really say it, but uh, yeah. it's where a couple of it's like a little island between the rivers. And when Beleriand fell into the sea, 
that place actually remained as an island in Middle Earth, uh, or off the yeah. coast of Middle Earth on yeah. the west, because that's where Baron and Luthien lived. Mm-hmm. Um, and fun fact about this area is, if you remember when Sam and I talked about the sacking of Doriath and the murder of King Thingol by the dwarves with the Nalglamir and the Silmaril and the greed that they yep. had, they were trying to run back to the mountains of the Arid Luin where uh, Narog and uh, Belagost are. And on their way back, Baron and some of the green elves of Assyrian, you know, they attack them and they stop and they kill the dwarves, chase them into the sea yep. or into the river. But also, the trees helped out a lot during this time, during this little yeah. battle. Were they Ents? Probably. Sure. Probably. Maybe um, Treebeard himself. Who knows? Who knows? That's why, <laughs> I mean, the Ents are pretty yeah. cool, but I think this is like the yeah. first mention of them being an active participant. Mm-hmm. Um, and then this same area actually became Linden after the War of Wrath when Balerion fell into the sea. So Linden yeah. is kind of like where Gilglad came from. Um, and it's mm-hmm. on the, the west coast of Middle-earth. So that covers, you know, spring and summer. And Treebeard apparently liked, he liked the Willowmeads in the spring. He liked the Elmwoods in the summer. And then yep. the beaches of Neldorath in the autumn. Uh, and this mm-hmm. is north of the river as Geldwin in Doriath. So this is where Baron and Luthien actually met. It's also where uh, Thingol went all Rapunzel on Luthien <laughs> and yeah. basically built her tree house and the biggest tree in this forest and mm-hmm. you know imprisoned her there and told her you're not going after baron and she right. did her magic and yeah. you know dropped her hair down Spoiled and got away or whatever else. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um so that's interesting in the in the autumn that's the most beautiful place to be and then mm-hmm. finally getting to winter, he talks about the pine trees upon Dorthonion in the winter, which is north center of Beleriand. Uh, some fun facts about this area is it, it contained the Ikoriath, which are the encircling mountains, and Arid Gorgoroth, which are the mountains of terror. So the encircling mountains, that's where, you know, the the hidden city of Gondolin is located. Right, right. And then the mountains of terror are actually where Baron had to sneak through uh, right before he could get to the girdie, girdle of Melian. And that's where it's speculated yeah. that, um, like, Shelob basically went or i mean ungoliant went spawned her things before disappearing and so it's like a the place of just complete terror yeah um and fun fact about that area too is the general area not the mountains of terror but a little bit north of that that was ruled by the lesser known brothers of gladriel that rings of power doesn't even know exist uh angrod and agnor and they ruled that area until ultimately it fell during the dagor bragalak uh, and then it became Tar Nufuin, which is the forest under Nightshade, which is actually where Sauron fled to after mm-hmm. Luthien and Huon cast him out of um, That's right. Minas Tirith or Tal and Galroth. Uh, during the story, yeah. yeah, during the story of Baron and Luthien. So those are that's that's the history that Treebeard's talking about. I know that your mind probably forgot that we were even talking about Treebeard, <laughs> but yeah, these are things that Treebeard is recounting from from you know memory and so i just yeah, did some yeah. quick uh some quick math uh and so the dagger bragalak took place the battle of sudden flame took place in 455 of the first age treebeard is talking to the hobbits in 3019 of the third age when you Oof. do the math on that it is 6595 years between the two okay you're right he's a lot older <laughs> <laughs> 
and this is this is i mean he was probably around yeah. even prior to the first age right so mm-hmm. i mean just to put that in perspective imagine how long that name would be that you were talking about earlier no yeah absolutely it's that's crazy and it, it also speaks to again the easter eggs of tolkien like you said tolkien's the gift that keeps on giving he's writing all this when his readers have no idea what's going on like they're just the silmarillion's not out yet <laughs> yeah yeah they're like what is wh- why does this matter do i care about any of this like yeah but yeah it's so cool to he had the foresight to put that in there because he's like yeah i know what all this means and i'm yeah. gonna ex- like show you guys later on if you want to if you have the desire to go back and look and we do so yeah, very good. That was a great exposition, Seth. Well done. That was yeah, I learned you. a lot from that. That was that was very cool. Um, I just remember listening to it, and I was like, "Man, he's referencing all these first age locations," but I I can't like quantify it in my head. I had to actually yeah. like sit down and and research the areas a little bit, and like, oh, okay. And so, not only does that show that Treebeard's old, but think about how many miles he traveled too. Mm-hmm. So, Fanghorn mm-hmm. Forest is all the way. You know, it's east of the misty mountains right right it's right on the slopes of the misty mountains so he's i don't know what the distance is but to travel that far over in balerion to then come back and i mean granted i guess if you're 6500 years old you have plenty of time to walk around but sure he's quite the traveler too absolutely i was thinking about that too i mean he talked about um and now all those lands lie under the wave so obviously Mm -hmm. talking about the reshaping of the world and uh I mean, I imagine like, how did he, did he have like the foresight to go to middle earth before anything? Like, how did he make that, that journey to where he would be safe and not have to deal with all, all that? I don't know. Right. But right. Yeah. Pretty cool stuff. Yeah. Thank you for that exposition. We're going to go a little bit further in the chapter. Uh, A couple extra things we wanted to talk about here uh, before we close up here, but um, obviously the, the, the hobbits get to Treebeard's house and he gives them some int drop. Um, and he even drinks it himself. And like I mentioned earlier, he, he lies down on his bed, which again, what is his bed made of? Is it another <laughs> tree? Is he lying on a tree? <laughs> he, he says, I want to lay on this bed so that the int drop doesn't go to my head. So I guess it's maybe kind of like alcoholic too. Like if, I mean, if you think about it, like if you're yeah. drinking while you're sitting down, it maybe. doesn't really do a whole lot if you're standing up like you're wobbling around a little bit like again if you've had if you had plenty to drink at that point but i mean that's kind of what my mind went to when he was thinking and obviously tolkien loved beer he drank a lot of it and so he would sure. understand this feeling but the hobbits also drank it and and it didn't necessarily make them feel any kind of like tipsy or anything like that but it it, it grew them like they grew taller because of that mm-hmm. so what is this intro what what is it what are your thoughts I really don't have many thoughts on this because I just have no clue. I It would have been fun to try to research that a little bit and see if Tolkien ever talked about it. But I mean, if you're speculating, it's perhaps something that I don't Do you think that they. I don't know. I don't think he would like cook or anything, right? He doesn't have to. So he does he like brew things? Maybe he well, brews things. Sure, so maybe it it's like be. a like a the water specifically from Fanghorn running, you know, the snow melt from the mountains running through the rivers. Like it's a specific type of water and maybe they, <laughs> but I'm like, if he brews like sage or something and it, you know, just a random like herb, he's like, those are his friends too. <laughs> so it's like <laughs> dead plants and all that. Dead Could plants be and all that. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. Like, 
yeah you've you've created quite the conundrum in my head now <laughs> <laughs> just you know this is what my your 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 brain is thinking about all the history and, and the beauty <laughs> and the connections and in my mind's like is he eating like or drinking himself or like his friends or what is, what is that again that's oh, just how man. my brain works but yeah hilarious. i really don't know what do you think what do you think i don't know man i feel like it's probably it's and again forgive me for my infant thinking at this point with a you know five-month-old baby but i feel like it's kind of like like his nourishment like like a breast milk would be to a kid like i don't know if he's the one that produces it obviously i think it's water from maybe the springs from underground that feeds trees you know or or, or a mixture of like the rain and the water that feeds the trees but yeah, he just kind of pulls it up and has it there for whenever he wants to drink from it. Um, but it's specific to these trees to act as their nourishment of what they need. Cause it doesn't, I mean, he, mm. he makes no mention of eating anything specifically. Right. Right. Well, so trees don't eat. Right. So they yeah. get all their nutrients from photosynthesis and then from the ground and absorbing, yeah. you know, all the water and all that. So it's like, but it has an effect on Mary and Pippin too, but not the same effect. So right. yeah. Just I mean, if Treebeard's been drinking this for 6,500 years, you think he'd grow a little bit, not sure. only be 14 feet tall, if it had the same effect. So it clearly doesn't have the same effect on him that it does the hobbits. Mm-hmm. So maybe to him, it's just like the, <laughs> the what is it, the well of immortality or the fountain of mm, youth or whatever. Yeah, I mean, yeah. could be. Sure. <laughs> yeah, know. could be. Could be. Well, let us know your thoughts. If you have any of you are like, oh, I know exactly what Entrada is. Like, let me send these guys my thoughts. Please do. Please do. Email them or text them or Facebook or whatever. Just we'd love to hear uh, your thoughts on these as well. But so again, they're they're talking and they're drinking their Entrada and Treebeard makes them describe the Shire over and over again, which again, I can think to Mary and Pippin be like, dude, we, we told you what it is. Like, do you want me? Okay. All right. We'll tell you again. Rolling hills and green grass and you know, we live in these little holes and, but he was doing that because he's trying to probably trying to remember, have I been there before? Like, is this a place mm-hmm. that I've seen in my wandering because he's looking for something very specific. He's looking for the ladies, the hot, hot babes for... <laughs> trying to catch the I... tail. <laughs> <laughs> I love when uh, I think it's Mary. I forget if it's Mary or Pippin, but I think it's Mary. He's like, I'm sorry that they died and he's like died yeah. i did not say they died we lost them <laughs> now we can't find them <laughs> yeah so obviously you know you have some thoughts here what's your ent wife theory here because they, they've lost the ent wives so now it's just the ents that have survived that have survived the orcs that have survived time and uh natural disasters and all that so they can't procreate right so it's just because again pippin's like you know why are there so few of you if you've lived so long because right. they can't procreate they have no ent wives there's they no they ent- can't make any intings. This is just sad. It is sad. Um, and we're not going to really touch on it too much because it's just a lot. But you should really go and read through the uh, the song of the Entwives. Treebeard, he looks at the hobbits and he's kind of like, he's like flabbergasted. He's like, I thought there were songs that everybody knew about our search for the Entwives. And he actually sings them a song. And it's it's really pretty. It's basically like a tug of war about like this land is yeah. our land and then the ent wives go find their land and they think it's better and back and forth and it's it's really yep. really well written and very pretty but um it's it's sad they just lost the ent wives um what we do yeah. know about this is that at some point they passed east over the anduin towards rune so kind of like if you think 
the southern uh, the southern border of of Merkwood and north of the Arid Luthi or the Ash Mountains, um, kind of the mountains that encircle Mordor. There's kind of that like plains, the barren lands or the brown lands, I think they're called. Yeah, the brown lands. Um, they probably just wandered over there and they i know they created like all these farms and stuff and they tended these gardens and it was beautiful but then during the wars of sauron and the elves it's speculated um i think tolkien said in one of his letters he actually said that they were likely all destroyed by sauron or if any of them lived they were uh they either went so far east that nobody could find them or they were enslaved by tyrants for economical and agricultural purposes which I find very interesting because mm. to specify economical and agricultural purposes, um, obviously that's what the Entwives would be very good at, but it's really Tolkien using, I mean, they're trees, right? And so yeah, yeah. I think that's how Tolkien saw progress in a lot of ways. He mm. saw the deforestation and he saw, you know, the disregard for nature by people that he deemed tyrants and he saw yeah. the, he saw all this as just, you know, being used for economical and agricultural purposes. Sure. Man. And it, it just makes it so much sadder when you give them being, right? Like when you give them, I don't know, thought and spirit and mind and all that kind of stuff, as opposed to just being like, oh, we got trees, yeah. you know? Yeah. We need trees for fire. We need trees for building. We need trees for, you know, all this kind of stuff. But so yeah, what do you think? Poor- do you think? Do you think that there were Entwives in the Shire or perhaps the Old Forest or because that's west, right? Like that's not east. So did they circle around somehow and pass by without the Ents knowing if they did? Why didn't they say hi? Like, what do you think? I Yeah, well, I think it was probably one of those things that happened where, you know, the Ents were like, honey, are you okay? And the Entwives were like, I'm fine. (laughs) And they're like, okay, cool. Everything's good. And Obviously, you know, that was not the case. And so the wives left (laughs) and they took everything with them and they never came back and they're doing the silent treatment for thousands (laughs) and thousands of years because that (laughs) would check out, right? Sam, are are you guys doing okay? (laughs) I'm going to get slapped here in a second. (laughs) I know she's in the other part of the room listening to you. So (laughs) I keep seeing you look up over your camera (laughs) computer. You're like, "Uh, am I in trouble yet? (laughs) Yeah, I might might have to deal with this later. But no, I I don't really have uh, an actual... Let me know how that box mac and cheese is for dinner instead of your nice home-cooked meal. Right, yeah. (laughs) Hopefully the couch isn't too hard on your back tonight. (laughs) Right, yeah. Oh, gosh. Yeah. (laughs) She knows knows you're joking. Absolutely, absolutely. She, she, that's why we work so well together. We, we can joke and she can poke fun at me too. And, and we just have a good time. Mm-hmm. Uh, but no, I think it was, yeah, I think it was probably one of those two where it just, they were just used, you know, they were just used up. And again, if you can't procreate and there was already, you know, there are few of them already. And I mean, I feel like just, again, that's, that's the part of the deeper, darker part of Tolkien where, Again, he even says in that in that letter, like he doesn't really have an answer. Like he doesn't have yeah. something that he thought for sure this is what the case is. But I mean, he does have a darker side to to his work, and I think it a lot of it revolves around that what you said, like the deforestation and stuff. And it wouldn't be surprising to me if it was just like, yep, they were used up and they're gone, and so yeah. the ants are gonna eventually die off. And because everything, like the fourth age and on, it kind of 
is supposed to turn into real life, right? Like where we are today at some point, you know? And so, it, you know, to get to the point where we are today, like all these magical beings and mythical things have to eventually die off. That's why the elves right. leave. That's why the ants would eventually die out. And so it's kind of the, kind of the darker never idea. Thought about that, it like that. That's an interesting perspective. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's just like everything kind of has, has to run its course and die off. Cause even in the beginning, you know, he's talking about the hobbits like, yeah, you can't really find them anymore. Like they're just hidden and they don't want to be around big folk mm-hmm. and, you know, kind of talking like they're still around, but you know, again, I can't imagine if there were magic trees, how long they would actually last, you know, before, sure. before they'd be taken and destroyed. So hmm. yeah. that's a good but, conversation uh, on that. Yeah. Yeah. How do, just real quick before you move on, how do you think uh, Old Man Willow, because he's a horn, right? Like, how did he get to the Old Forest? Is that an indication that maybe one of the Ents who was shepherding the trees, like one of his flock got lost and ended up by <laughs> the Brandywine, right? Like, Could be, yeah. It was probably Quick Beams. He was just like, ah, I can't just stay. <laughs> like, ah, he's not keeping up. I'm, I'm going too quick. <laughs> <laughs> That's right, yeah. His Old Man Willow is going too slow. Uh, yeah i don't know <laughs> i mean there there are again i think it's just a matter of uh, there's there's magic everywhere and there's different parts of the world, like middle earth that has it more than others i think and and it's just i think it i was actually listening to a an interview by peter jackson he was talking about like why old man willow and tom bombadil aren't in the movies it's like because it doesn't really do anything to the story like they're yeah. fun and they're cool but it has no point in the story but I think it's just Tolkien's way of saying like, it's just all around us in that sense. Like there's yeah. always something, something magical to be, to be seen or, or something even to be feared in that sense too. Um, sure. But yeah, I, I don't know. I think he probably found the, the Shire very happy. Uh, like very, this is a great place to stay. This is yeah. a great land to hang out and um, Treebeard probably would too. I wish there was like a appendices where Treebeard went and visited Mary and Pippin in the Shire and decided to stay yeah. or like, yeah, I think that'd be that really, been really cool. cool. But, and I will say, is the Withy Wendell not the Brandywine? I think the river is the Withy Wendell. Anyways, I'm just trying to be Brandywine. Brandywine's one of the rivers, but I think that's the yeah. main one. I think it's Withy Wendell for the Old Forest. Yeah. You could be right. You're probably right. I don't yeah. know. I just want to make sure I'm accurate. <laughs> but yeah, I wish there was like an appendices that explained that a little bit more because. If you remember at the very end of the Return of the King when they're saying goodbye, he's like, "Well, I'm not going to see you again. Goodbye." And it's like that's yeah. the whole goodbye. Yep. Is he just going to slowly turn into a tree himself, or is he planning one last search for the Entwives? And you know, like, what what yeah. are you what are you doing, bro? Let me know. Yep. Yep. Poor poor tree beard. Well, anyway, so as we kind of go further into the chapter, um, again, they the 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 hobbits ask like how does Treebeard fit in the storm like the craziness we have sauron we have bad guys we have good guys like there's this big old war going on and and he just says that's the business of wizards because they're always troubled about the future mm-hmm. and he goes on to say that he's not altogether on anyone's side because nobody's altogether on his side and i think that's very true you again you look at what people use wood and and stuff for like you know both good and bad you have to there's just certain things that had to be made or burned or yeah used for supplies or economic purposes, you know, exactly. And so I get kind of that in between feeling that he, he probably has, but he does commend the elves um, for curing them of their dumbness. As he says, he said, 
you know, it's not on the side of the orcs and their masters. And knowing that Saruman is a neighbor, he decides he must do something about him. He realizes like, okay, like the elves cured us of our dumbness. These orcs are like cutting us down and kind of the opposite. And so mm-hmm. even though I'm not really on anyone's side, I should probably do something about these. Again, I'm a shepherd. These are my trees. I'm supposed to protect them. In the same way of like a wolf tried to kill my sheep, I would try to fight off that wolf. You know, and this is this is Treebeard saying I need to take care of my trees. And so I probably have to do something about the one that is hurting me rather than the one that just kind of cured me of my dumbness and let us go. Um, sure. But yeah. So, but Mary and Pippin, they don't know much about the white wizard. Again, they don't know much about Saruman at all, just from what they've maybe heard in tales. But uh, so they ask, what, what, Treebeard, what do you know about Saruman? And I really like how he responds. This is what he says. He goes, I don't know the history of wizards. They appeared first after the great ships came over the sea. Which, is that referring to Feanor, you think? No. No, not Feanor. <laughs> Different ships. Okay. But if they came with the ships, I can never tell. Saruman was reckoned great among them, I believe. He gave up wandering about and minding the affairs of men and elves some time ago. You would call it a very long time ago, and he settled down in Angernost, or Isengard. He was chosen to be the head of the White Council, they say. But that did not turn out too well. <laughs> no, it didn't. I wonder now if even the Saruman then knew he was not turning to evil ways. But at any rate, he said to give no trouble of his neighbors. I used to talk to him. I told him many things that he would never have found out by himself. But he never repaid me in the in like kind. So I always thought that was interesting. Like he talked about, like he walked and talked with Saruman. He he told him all this kind of stuff. And was Saruman like secretly using him for the demise of his trees? Like what what did he tell Saruman that would have maybe unknowingly given aid to this destruction of his forest? So if you look at Saruman's motives, he settled in at Isengard for a couple of different reasons. Um, one was you know it's a awesome tower that is protected and he could you know he got the keys to it from the steward of gondor who was happy to give him the keys to it at the time um but it's also not far away from where isildur was thought to have died um and so what i think is that this whole time sauron settled down there with intentions of finding the one ring and he probably got all kinds of stories and information. And I mean, think about it. Nobody probably knows more than Treebeard about that part of the world. Like he, he knows it all. Um, and then Treebeard probably also knows a lot about the goings on outside of his realm as well, just from, you know, the other trees or the birds or whoever he communicates with. So I think Sauron was just using him just straight up using him. Yeah. Which, which is sad. You know, he, He's supposed to be, again, a protector of Middle-earth. As the head of the White mm-hmm. Council, he should be the one who's most concerned about the living things in Middle-earth. And yet he's, yeah, he's, which, I mean, we we see kind of the where we'll end here. There's a bit more in the story. Obviously, the Ents decide to march on Isengard, but where we'll being end positively up Positively hasty. Right, being positively hasty. Uh, but uh, where they end up is where... Treebeard says he he believes Saruman is wanting to be a power, like a quote unquote power, mm-hmm. and I imagine that's been like alluding to somebody who can overthrow Sauron, but not for the purposes of good, but for the purposes of becoming his own Dark Lord and his own 
you know, Lord of Middle Earth, and he wants right. that power that Sauron is seeking. And so, even though he teams up with Sauron, his plan all along is to use usurp his. <laughs> that's an office joke. You, would, you wouldn't oh, okay. get it. It's an office joke. <laughs> usurp nah, his don't get it. <laughs> his authority and uh, become his own Dark Lord. But I mean, if if Saruman was able to find the One Ring, I mean, if you remember when Gandalf yeah. is talking to Frodo, he's basically like, "If I took it." I would become just like Sauron and I would try to do good from the start. But I mean, Sauron and Gandalf are technically, they're both Maiar, right? Yep. Like yep. they're of the same order. So is Sauron. So if Sauron was able to find the one ring, he probably could have overthrown Saur Sauron mm -hmm. and become his own dark Lord ruler of middle earth. So I think that's kind of what yeah. he was trying to go for. Um, just feigning to team up with Sauron while it was convenient while he looked for the ring. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, like I said, that's where we'll leave off. I've got one last question uh, for you, Seth. That this is—I think I kind of know the answer, but I, I mean, I'm curious to hear your thoughts. Good, good conversation here. But you know, Peter Jackson in his movies talks about how the ends are just fine, letting things happen. You know, and and there's no quick beam. There's no like end who's already ready to go to war and just hanging out. There's, you know, it's really Merry and Pippin pushing, pushing them for to, it. Yeah, yeah. And then of you course, kinda, oh, they let's like go south. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Further away from danger, or was it the, the closer we are from danger, the further we are from harm, or the opposite? Yeah. I don't know. I, the last no, thing I think you said it right. Yeah. <laughs> and then, and then the, like, well, it doesn't make sense to me, but you are very small. <laughs> that's what I say to Ben I, I all mean, the time. <laughs> that doesn't make sense to me, but you are very small. Perhaps you're right. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I don't know. I think I think PJ did that just to create a little more drama make them more reluctant heroes like i sure. mean in all fairness treebeard still had to convince the entmoot that it was the right thing to do however it didn't seem like it was that hard they just I, at one point i'm pretty sure treebeard says to them that like making the decision is easy but laying out all the facts is what takes three days but once they have the facts they can make their decision very quickly um and so I think it was just a way to dramatize their little part that they play in the movies a little bit more. What do you yeah. think? You said you thought you had an answer. Oh, I was, I was thinking it kind of goes along with the overarching story that even I think Peter Jackson was wanting to make he, like focal point of, of like the hobbits are, are the ones doing it, like setting things in motion. It's the little folk that are, are making change possible like they can't do it by themselves obviously but you know like frodo in the ring and sam and then mary and pippin like pushing the ins to do something it's giving them a bit more i don't know weight to their their characters as necessary i guess or or like you know yeah. it had to be the hobbits to push these old beings to move hasty versus very unhasty I think that is in the spirit of Tolkien because Gandalf even says at some point, and I don't remember the exact quote, it's just ringing a bell hearing what you're saying. He sa Gandalf says something about like the coming of those two hobbits to Fanghorn will set chains of events in, in motion. And so I think maybe Peter Jackson is trying very hard to tell you that happened rather than showing mm -hmm. you that that happened, which is maybe film versus writing you know tolkien yeah. was able to just show you that their arrival there you know he was able to show it through the plot whereas peter jackson with the limited amount of time he had to tell you that that's what was happening yeah 
That could be. Yeah, I think that quote you're talking about is, uh, I think is is Gandalf in the movies. It probably in the books too. I hope it is. I, I'm, not, I, I I'm pretty sure it is. I'm pretty sure it's yeah. still in the books. Maybe not the exact same phrasing, but because yeah, he he talks about like as because Gimli's like, are we just gonna leave the hobbits? Like, are we just what's what's going on? And he's like, no, they're they're safe and like they're setting in motion now. Like the the, the trees are gonna wake up. Oh, that's good. <laughs> like. So he talks yeah. about that. I'm like 98% sure it's in the book still. It's just phrased yeah. differently. Sure. Yeah. Well, cool. Any last thoughts on our, our, our old, old bearded friend of a tree, tree beard? <laughs> Not really. Other than just the creativity of Tolkien to personify every little thing in his world. I mean, mm-hmm. There's magic in everything, even if it's not overt magic, like we talked about with the mirror of Galadriel and stuff like that, but a talking tree that's magical, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, It's just, it's really cool how he uses, I don't know. I don't want to say like the messaging that he uses because in today's day and age, there's, it's all about the message, right? Like, but Tolkien did it in such subtle ways that you don't mm-hmm. even notice it's there unless you kind of look at it and study it. And he's yeah. using the Ents as like his, his disrespect for an industry, really. That's what he's, you know, paralleling the Ents to. But it's not in your face so much that you're just, that's all you can think about. Like, oh, here we go again. He's preaching at me. But he does yeah, it in a yeah. very creative way. So I don't know. I love the Ents and Treebeard as the whole ho hum, like, Mm. which you do very well i again i have to give you props you do very well (laughs) but thank you thank you i just i like i like him yeah me too it's it's a fun character to kind of dive into a little bit and again there's so many different twists and turns as you go through the the trilogy you go through the silmarillion and then but how it all fits together and even like the lore that we just talked about and there's so much detail on such a large scale, but then also microscoped in a small scale and in moments yeah. like these where you could just keep going and going and going and going, uh, which is a lot of fun for you and for me, you know? Yeah. Um, so I'm, I'm very thankful for it. But yeah. Yeah, no, this was, a, right. this was a fun one. Thanks, man. Yeah, absolutely. You did I'm a excited. lot of, you did a lot of work putting this together. I only came in and added some of the, the deeper <laughs> stuff, but on the lore side, but you, you put that together. So thanks for doing the head work on this one. Sure, sure. Yeah, well, you do that work on the, on the most of it. If the head work, that's a weird word, but I think I, I said that. that. Yeah, there's there's what a term. What does that, that mean? Right? Like, <laughs> I don't know. Maybe a bad term. <laughs> Come on. Anyway, now. sorry, sorry, sorry. That is, the, the it is time. It is time. Yes, for Gondor to call for aid. We're breaking the halls of Metaseldom. We're shouting. Gondor calls for aid. Will you, Rohan, answer? If you enjoyed the podcast, please light a beacon of your own by sharing it with some fellow friends and fans. And also, don't forget to like, subscribe, leave a review, uh, make a comment on our YouTube videos as well. We'll read them on the podcast here as we did with Joe Brown. And uh, send us your Tolkien story or any thoughts you have on Treebeard or Ents or anything else. Um, you can email that at whackpodcast at gmail.com. And again, we would love to have a conversation with that over here on the podcast um, but what to expect for uh, next week it will be next week we're going to have a quick turnaround on podcasting which will be really really wonderful uh, we're going to be talking with one of uh, Seth's friends on a debate with Feanor this guy says he's a, he's a good dude he's a good dude Feanor the guy that burned a bunch of ships killed his own brothers and like yeah he's a good dude that's his argument so it should be a very fun uh, conversation to say the least but Until then, we thank you for joining us for some well-earned comforts, and we bid you very fond farewell.